I'd like to also let you know that we are beginning a new sermon series. It's a five-week sermon series titled Sent. I love starting something new right before I leave, and so this is really great timing for that. And our sermon series for five weeks, we want to study the books of, book of Acts uh, to see how the disciples, the apostles, uh, are going out, are being sent out into the world by our resurrected Jesus Christ to spread the gospel and the good news. And so just as God sends out the apostles, God sends us from a place of comfort into the world to be, to be um evangelists and and to spread the good news and so just as the apostles are sent out so are we let us go to our god in prayer oh lord open our eyes that we may see you open our ears that we may hear you open our hearts that we may feel you Holy Spirit, come. We invite you here. Amen. Last Sunday, as Pastor Edwin mentioned, our session was invited to the confirmation dinner where our confirmants share their faith stories and creative faith projects with us. Our confirmation class is made up of ninth and 10th graders this year, and 16 of them will become official members of our church next Sunday. It was an evening full of tears, laughter, hugs, and joy, celebrating what God has done in the lives of our wonderful young people and their commitment to follow Jesus. Pastor Kelsey, along with all of our parents, teachers and mentors poured in endless hours of boundless love, prayers, and energy into our young people as they wrestled with their faith and confronted their doubts. The faith stories of our, young, of our youth included deep reflections of how they experienced God's healing and transforming love in the midst of their crippling anxiety, pain, and loss oftentimes through this very church. Writing, listening, and sharing faith stories are powerful because they testify to God's undying love for us and the Spirit's continuing work in the world and in our lives. If you ever served or are serving as a church officer now, elder, deacon, or trustee, you are asked to write your faith story and share it with your board. And while all of the stories are delightfully unique and authentic, there is one commonality among all of them. Besides Jesus, they all talk about the impact of the community on their faith. While our faith stories seem really personal, I believe that faith stories aren't something that happen exclusively to us and for us. They also happen along with others and for the greater good of the community. And that's what we see in Paul's conversion story today. 
You may think, wow, I never had a conversion experience like that. That's really dramatic, the light and the voice and going blind. Oh, my goodness. But at the heart of the story lies how Paul's conversion served the greater faith community. Yes, it was an intimately personal conversion story, and it included the faith community, people like Ananias and the disciples who played vital roles in Paul's conversion and transformation. Now, we often label Paul's story as a conversion story, but I like to call it the transformation story. Conversion has a once-and-for-all feel. Transformation is an ongoing quality to it. Paul wasn't just converted on the spot and that was it. He went through days and even lifetime of transformation as we all do. He was transformed in how he thought about God, himself, and others, and the way he saw the world. When God meets us where we are, we can no longer see the world in the same way again. Our vision changes. Our worldview changes. Transformation happens. Christian conversion then is a daily turning to God, moment by moment even, surrendering to the Christ who bids us to follow him. Therefore, Christian conversion is ongoing and it is transformational. In today's text, Saul is on the road to Damascus to round up all the people belonging to the way. He's absolutely sure of what he believes and what he needs to do. To this Saul, Jesus appears and completely turns his world upside down. Because of the light, he goes blind. And of course, Jesus being Jesus, calls Ananias, a faithful follower of the way, enemy of Saul, to go to Saul and pray for him. Transformation often happens in encountering those we strongly disagree with. When Ananias prays for Saul, his enemy, and calls him a brother, Saul's eyes are opened and he's a different man. The scales fall off his eyes. I was told that armors are made of scales. Protective coverings in battle are made of scales. Saul, who was on the road to Damascus as an invincible man, out to persecute all who followed Jesus, was, has now become Paul, vulnerable to persecution himself, his guard completely down. In our transformation, we become more open, more vulnerable, more willing to embrace those who are different from us. Saul realizes that God can love both the Jews and the Gentiles. As Frederick Buechner so artfully put it, Paul set out as a hatchet man for the Pharisees and returned a fool for Christ. Paul's conversion story is sandwiched between other conversion stories in Acts 8 and 10. 
the conversion story of Simon, the sorcerer in Samaria, who repents and becomes a follower of Jesus. The story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch who gets baptized in chapter 8. And the story of Peter and Cornelius, the Roman centurion in chapter 10, whose entire family gets baptized. In each of these stories, there are conversations with people that they vehemently disagree with. There's change of hearts and minds, and there's the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and baptism. There's transformation where people realize God is so much bigger than we had ever made God out to be. God is so much bigger than we had ever made God out to be. Another thing that happens both to Paul and Ananias in their transformation is that they both hear the voice of God. What we hear, whose voice we listen to, that will transform us. What we hear and the voice that we listen to will transform our lives. Interestingly, Jesus tells Paul, go into the city and you will be told what to do. Jesus doesn't tell him to go to the synagogue, but Jesus says, go to the city of Damascus, a large, bustling, commercial hub of the day. It's not until Paul is ready to preach the gospel that he finally goes to the synagogue. Until then, he is in the city, blind, so he can only listen to the people and all that's going on in the city, the injustices, sorrows, and agonies of all kinds of people. And after his eyes are opened, he stays with the disciples, undoubtedly listening to their stories and taking communion with them. Do we hear the voices that are outside the walls of our church? On Friday morning, I was at the men of the Kirk Bible study to talk about my sermon and say my goodbyes. And this was scheduled for a time when I was supposed to have preached last Sunday and all of that got messed up. And so I didn't really have a sermon to talk about. So I went there and said, maybe you can help me with my sermon when you don't know what you're going to preach, men of the Kirk, go there. They will let you know. It was a wonderful experience of communally writing the sermon together. And as we talked about this passage and the importance of listening to different voices, one of the men said something that really touched me. He said that outside of this beautiful church building, he hears the silent screams of those who are in our neighborhood. Those who seem to have everything on the outside, expensive cars, beautiful houses, wonderful children, but so empty and hollow on the inside, silently screaming for love and meaning in their lives. He challenged us to listen to those voices as a church. What do we hear? Then another person chimed in. Are we listening to those who are in Detroit and in Pontiac, to the voices of those who are in need? Are we listening to them? What are they saying to us? 
A famous historian, Howard Zinn, had once said, the cry of the poor is not always just. But if you don't listen to it, you'll never know what justice is. The cry of the poor is not always just. But if you don't listen to it, you'll never know what justice is. Likewise, we may not agree or even like with everything we hear right outside the walls of this church. But if we refuse to listen, if we refuse to pay attention, we'll never know who our neighbors are. We'll never know what the needs of our community may be. We will fail to be the agent of transformation in our community. Are we listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Or are we listening to the voice of fear and comfort that tells us to go back to the way things were when things seemed so controlled and safe and risk-free? Are we listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit that dares the church to take necessary risks for the gospel, to love our neighbors at all costs, and to be outward-facing and welcoming to all? Are we listening to that voice? As the Kirk is in transition, and as I go to Indiana to be a transitional pastor, I think back to my time at Star Presbyterian Church in Royal Oak just last year where I was their interim for three months. We had a transition team, a transition team there that I called, surprise, transition team. But how many times I call them the transition team I said, you know, you you all are the transition team now. How many times I said that, they would go, oh, the transformation team. I was puzzled by this. Why do they keep calling themselves the transformation team? You're clearly clearly the transition team. They kept saying the transformation team. Really wasn't on purpose. So I kept correcting them. And they would go, oh, and then go right back to referring themselves as the transformation team. So I gave up, and I started calling them the transformation team. You see, transition for them was inevitable. But transformation was something they were open to and chose every time. They weren't just going to put up with the transition. They wanted a transformation. Transition for this congregation is inevitable. We are in a time of transition. The whether you want transformation or not, that is something that you can be open to as you go through a time of transition. My hope for you is that Not only do you just transition from one pastor to another, but that you may be transformed as a congregation during this time of transition. Today on my last Sunday at the Kirk, I look back on my almost five years of ministry here and recognize how far we've come as a church 
we continue to be open, loving, and welcoming church that's guided by the Holy Spirit. We continue to welcome all those who come through the doors of our church. Just the other day, I was deeply touched by someone who came up to me and said, as you leave, I want you to know that joining a small group really changed my life. I never knew a community like that could exist. A community where I could share my life and all the prayer requests that I want and need and know that I'm completely covered in so much love and prayer without any judgment. It really changed my life. Wow. That's how transformation happens. Our faith stories aren't something that happen exclusively to us and for us. They also happen along with others and for the greater good of the community. So keep sharing your faith and your faith stories with others. Keep sharing your stories of transformation with others. Keep sharing the voice of the Holy Spirit with others. For what happens to you isn't exclusively to you and for you. It is for the good of the community. So last Sunday, during Pastor Edwin's joyful installation service, I was taking in the beauty of this sanctuary. As I sat right over there and stared at the beautiful stained glass windows in the Melrose Chapel, a great sense of sadness came over me as I thought to myself, how in the world am I going to leave this beautiful place? I love this church with so many wonderful people and relationships I've built up here over the years. How can I leave this beautiful place not knowing if I'll ever come back? Not knowing if I'll ever set a foot again in this sanctuary. It wasn't even a prayer. It was just a thought that I was holding in my heart. Then so unexpectedly, unexpectedly, I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit saying to me so clearly, Angela, I love this church too. And I will go with you. I love this church too. And I will go with you. And I almost broke down. That was just the assurance I needed. I love this church, and I am called to leave. It's a both and, not either or. Kirk and the Hills can honor the traditions of the past 
and usher in the new things of the Spirit. We can go through transition and still choose transformation. We can care for those who are here and still be an outward-facing church. Kirk in the Hills, the work of the Spirit and the love of God is so much bigger, wider, and deeper than we could ever, ever imagine. May it be so. Amen.